0: And we begin this morning with former longtime city councilor and also former city council vice president, John Kroll. Good morning, John. Thanks for joining us. Lenny, how week.
1: you doing, man? It's great to see you.
0: Doing pretty good. And how about you? All right.
1: Oh, man, I love being in a radio studio. You know that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> me
0: and John go way back in the radio world. A That's lot right. of people probably don't know that. That's Let's right. just get right to the point. Uh, why do you want to be mayor and what unique skills and experience do you believe That makes you the right man for the job.
1: Well, I love this city with my heart and with my soul. And I was born and raised here. And, you know, as we mentioned, I was in the radio industry and actually a journalist for some time. When Mayor Roberto asked me to come work for him back in 2005, I honestly didn't think that it was the direction I was going to head in. But then I got quiet and, uh, and he really wanted me in that office. And I said, yes, let's do it. Because at that point... I felt like I really had an opportunity to do something special for my hometown. In fact, it was probably a few hundred feet away from where we're sitting right now at the Highland Restaurant. That's where Jimmy and I met for the first time. And that was really a, a turning point in my life because when we were revitalizing the Colonial Theater, getting that online, and the Barrington Stage Company being recruited to downtown Pittsfield and getting the project for the Beacon Cinema and all the revitalization that happened during that time, that's the fire that really drives me and I know we can do so much better in the city and really position Pittsfield uh, in the heart of the culturally rich Berkshires in a way that it never has so I want to finish that job and make Pittsfield lift off uh, once again so that is my drive that is my passion and uh, as far as the skills I'm a small business owner and I've worked in a variety of different industries, and I've always been a change maker. Uh, I've always gone to a company and made uh, significant uh, changes, uh, uplifting, uh, whether it's a senior living community or my own business or working as a consultant for a, a business. Uh, in fact, um, you know, I, I uh, you hear about Pittsfield Cooperative Bank. I actually did work for Pittsfield Cooperative Bank uh, when there was a uh, opening for their marketing, uh, and my firm uh, yeah. did work for them. And, you know, it didn't take me a decade to make a change there. It didn't take 20 years or 35 years. It took me about one week to impact uh, that message that Pizziel Cooperative Bank was putting out there with my business, 180 Media. We made an impact. So that's the kind of attitude that I want to bring to the city is we can do this. We need to uplift our attitudes and, uh, and make things happen.
0: Well, you and your opponents have appeared in numerous public forums and debates uh, throughout the uh, campaign. Uh, You talk to (laughs) citizens, uh, all types of citizens in every socioeconomic uh, level. What have you learned about the concerns of citizens that maybe you weren't aware of before the campaign?
1: You know, when you knock on doors, you truly learn the real deal. And I knocked on thousands of doors, especially uh, early in the spring and into the summer before the preliminary election. And uh, one thing that I knew was we needed to address those downtown bike lanes. But I had no idea how wildly unpopular they were to AT. I have knocked on doors many times uh, in my life, uh, you know, working for different campaigns in my own. And there's never been one issue that is more unanimous as how people feel about the oversized bike lanes in downtown Pittsfield. So that was very reassuring uh, because I had obviously my own misgivings and concerns about it. But what you were hearing from the status quo was, no, 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 these bike lanes, they're so great. This is the future. This is amazing. This is going to make us a futuristic city. But the reality is it wasn't working and it isn't working. So finally, I think during this election cycle, we've seen my opponent, we've seen a lot of candidates for city council now change their tune on that issue because they're Forced to listen to the people, and that's what I love about elections, is because it is a truth serum. Elections can be a truth serum, and uh, and that's one of those issues. And I think you can go down the line of a few more. Downtown Foot Patrol is wildly popular among business uh, people, downtown merchants, and also uh, the people in our city. They're just like, yeah, why not? Why is this so difficult to bring Downtown Foot Patrol? to uh, North Street this is not this shouldn't be complicated and so those are just two things and downtown has been a focus um, during this campaign, but I really think it needs to be because downtown does need our help. It is uh, in a position where we need to revitalize uh, downtown yet again. We are uh, it, it, it can go one of two very different ways right now so uh, so it needs our focus.
0: All right, we'll get to some of those specifics in a bit. Let's get the negative out of the way. Some have caught into question your lack of experience in the private sector, which would prepare you to oversee a $200 million budget and lead hundreds of employees. So how would you respond to that?
1: Yes, and what I am looking to set up uh, is a structure that will help any mayor be able to manage a $200 plus million, uh, budget through having an independent internal auditor. And looking at that position, uh, it gives a third party look and truly understanding the use of our dollars. So how much are we spending on overtime? Is that appropriate? How much are we spending on outside contractors coming in for doing work? Um, Does that make sense as far as our cost benefit analysis? And also the, you know, the use of uh, city vehicles, you know, things like that, those processes and procedures that uh, we need an outside look. So I think, you know, bringing that independent view is really important. But As far as me, uh, I have run my own business for many years. Um, I know there was the Animal Dreams situation. It was a bank error. Um, Certainly as I was working for a new company in a new situation in a new community, um, my eye was not on the ball. And uh, that has been something that I've said many, many times, Um, and I've shown all the documentation and proof that it was a mistake and there were no uh, bad intentions. But what I can tell you is working as a city councilor, I have been strong. on our budget. For example, when Linda Tire tried to bring in the toter program where she was going to ask for taxpayers to pay for the private vendors, $1.4 million toters, and the upgrades to the trucks, which ultimately was going to provide no savings to taxpayers, I stood up against that and said, no way, we're going to send it back to the mayor and do better than that. Or in her final budget, where she siphoned about $700,000 away in Chapter $70 from the school budget, I said that is not okay. So, you know, I think, you know, the mayor's position, you need a great director of finance from outside the political establishment. The internal auditor will be really helpful, and a new external auditor that is not done business with Pittsfield for the last 20 years, like a current auditor. So mm-hmm. those will be helpful as we come up with a plan. So a mayor needs to put priorities first, have a great director of finance that is not from the political establishment, and the internal auditor. So that has been my answer and is my answer to say, it shouldn't be about trusting me personally with finances. It should be able to have a system that can trust not only me, but any mayor moving forward so that your tax dollars are being spent wisely.
0: And speaking of taxes, rising taxes and mm. rising water and sewer rates is probably the biggest complaint that we all hear out there. So if elected, What do you think you could do to lower the burden on taxpayers?
1: Yeah, number one, I think that internal auditor will help because we're going to find areas of inefficiency, and that's really critical. Other communities have done it, like Springfield, Massachusetts has one of those, so I think that will be a critical piece to find areas of savings. Number two, I've been talking since the very beginning how Pittsfield has never taken the lead on beginning to share services with other school districts, so... Listen, the school budget is a huge chunk of the overall budget. Uh, that is something that I'll look at to say there was a uh, education task force a decade ago that made a recommendation that said... If we had one school district throughout Berkshire County, we would save $30 million. Now, with inflation, it would probably be twice as much. We know that one school district is not politically uh, possible. <laughs> that's right, not right. that's not going to happen. But we can start by sharing services, by having by working more closely with Lenox, working more closely with Richmond, working more closely with Adams Cheshire School District and, and Mount Greylock uh, School District and these uh, districts, to, and, and also Central Berkshire and Dalton. Um, when we do that we can find area of savings ultimately to bring more dollars to the classroom and save taxpayer dollars so that is something that will be a key initiative Uh, the mayor is a member of the school committee uh, but also obviously presents the budget that the school committee uh, considers and then i think the third thing is 29 million dollars of our current budget is for health insurance Uh, that is the biggest one line item for uh, the city budget I think that the city can do a much better job negotiating with medical providers. Um, it's not always about asking for our employees to contribute more in premiums um, or uh, or those types, of, or copays. pays um, It's important to also say there's a cost to the city that is billed by the medical providers. That's Berkshire health systems. That's Bay state. And you know, if you have a situation where Bay state uh, and you get a knee replacement, there is less expensive than Berkshire health systems uh, for a knee replacement to the city. Then we have to have that conversation and say, how do we do better as far as cost and then also incentivize our employees to choose the uh, more cost-effective option so those are things I don't think we've ever explored um, with health insurance but we have to do better uh, because I don't want to put more of a burden on our employees they're already uh, paying more in their premiums um, you know their uh, the costs are going up for employees we need to go on the other side and say medical providers you need to do better we're a big payer uh, in this community so Berkshire uh, health systems, Bay State, um, let's do better.
0: Going back to what you were talking about earlier on North Street, sounds like you've been doing a lot of thinking about downtown and what could be improved. What kind of changes would you initiate if elected?
1: I really want to look at diagonal parking to provide more parking for the merchants. Um, I had a conversation uh, with our uh, friend at uh, Mr. Barber, Mr. Barber, uh, Rick, over there, and he said through the changes he used to have five parking spots in front of the barbershop. Now he only has two. So, with a combination of bump outs and bike lanes and, and all of that. So, um, I would like to consider the diagonal parking uh, concept uh, because that would give more parking and also some more flexible parking. So, if you have a restaurant that has takeout, that would give them the, the shorter, you know, 10 or 15 minute space um, that would make sense uh, as well. So, that's something I would look at. But really, I think part of it is a great sense of urgency for example with the Wright building um, and that is a huge building and it takes up almost an entire city block including the Jim's House of Shoes building um, it's been 5 years vacant and boy did we ever uh, and did you know Allegroni it was as the is the private uh, owner so it's not like the city made the mistake however to send those businesses away packing Candle Lanes and the bike shop and the Indian restaurant, um, that was a mistake to do that way back then. If you are going to uh, vacate a building, you better be ready to do the work. And uh, and that's the sense of urgency we have to bring to our friends in the private sector, including Allegroni. And before Allegrony uh, moves forward with the Berkshire Bank building on Park Square, we better see some pro. Uh, pro- a a process moving forward on the right building, you know, progress, um, is the word I'm looking for, (laughs) um, on the right building. And so I think that's, um, a critical thing. Also, um, we really need to have more fun things to do for families. Some of this could be downtown, but some of this, I think there's a possibility of creating a district uh, in Coltsville. Um, my friend, Melissa Fawcett, who created Ready, Set, Play, the uh, indoor playground, um, she put with her husband, put all the money up front. She had no bank financing for that. So our economic development team has to look at those types of things, enhancing quality of life for families, as just as much as economic development as it is if we bring bring in 50 jobs for, uh, you know, a manufacturing company or a Wayfair or something like that. Because when we make Pittsfield a more business friendly and a, and a family friendly uh, location, then uh, we can actually draw people to our city, which brings more uh, revenue to our tax base.
0: In a related matter, of course, downtown, like many downtowns are experiencing rises in, in petty crime, homelessness, panhandling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You and your opponent have expressed different philosophies Mm. on how to best deal with some of those issues. Could you uh, explain how you would handle it?
1: Absolutely. So downtown foot patrol is something that uh, it, I, I've been amazed by the amount of pushback by the status quo uh, in regard to the idea of downtown foot patrol. Um, I had a conversation with a longtime former police chief. Uh, you know, sat down at his house for something like two and a half hours talking about public safety. And when we talk about community policing, uh, what he said to me is, John. All policing is community policing. And when the downtown asked for foot patrol when I was the chief... I gave them foot patrol. Uh, if we needed more community policing in the west side, that's exactly what we did. So that's my philosophy um, in regard to ad- addressing aggressive panhandling because there are people who uh, most certainly, and, and often it is uh, people who are more vulnerable, women, um, they get followed to their vehicles and they do not feel safe. They're leaving their uh, place of work. Um, and, I'm, and my experience is different. I'm a, I'm a 45-year-old man and you know it, it's a different experience for me, but I have to recognize Recognize that other people have different experiences, and uh, and I believe them, and we're hearing it uh, for sure. So I think having that uh, police presence is important. Yes, we have to recognize that there are people who are in need, uh, those who are without homes, those who are truly uh, have addiction issues and mental health issues, and, they're, um, and they may be asking for money. Um, I think there's three sides to addressing those uh, aspects. Number one, the social workers uh, in our community, they are not paid well enough. And so therefore, there's a lot of turnover on the clinical side. Uh, That's something that our friends at the Breen Center, I think they have to re-examine how their pay structure works um, and uh, in other agencies. Uh, So that's something to work on. Number two, we have to uh, up the amount of peer uh, support uh, those who have been through uh, the recovery process. Those who can mentor people who are going through that recovery process. And my friend Luke Fitzgerald is is a big advocate for that. So we have to uh, bolster those ranks to help people. Once uh, it's not a clinical focused situation, it has to be more of a social and peer resource. And then the third element is also providing something for those who are in recovery for something to do, something to inspire them, a skill, Um, you know, things like cooking or a new skill in the vocational trades, uh, or uh, even just uh, art, Uh, you know, these types of things, because we know, and and it may sound simple, but when you talk to people who are uh, in the recovery um, world, uh, helping people uh, recover, one of the biggest reasons for relapse is because people are actually bored. And, you know, so if you and I uh, were bored, maybe we, you know, check out our phone and we go and we scroll through TikTok or something like that I'm not doing a lot this day (laughs) these days but um, but for an individual going through recovery their fallback is uh, substance and substances and so um, so I think it's really important to give them something give individuals who are going through recovery something uh, to inspire them something to uh, have them look forward to and so as a community we can work on that
0: all right, moving on to economic development. Though so there have been some seeds planted mm. here in the city, in hopes of growing new industry, whether it's aerospace or biotech. What strategies would you like to see the city explore further to maybe bring new industry? Okay. I think it's I think community.
1: the lowest hanging fruit is building off the institutional knowledge that we have today so if you look at the sort of second generation of industry that came uh, after GE uh, it was a lot of people who had expertise from GE uh, a lot of plastic mold uh, you know, companies that sort of thing and then of course we have the offshoot with General Dynamics as well so I think uh, that looking at uh, our best investment being people who are, are committed to the Berkshires but also have an element of that expertise and a lot of those uh, businesses that was the the second generation from GE, they've retired. Um, and so those businesses are sort of in flux, you know, are they going to stay here once they merge with another company? Are they going to, you know, pull the assets out of its field and go somewhere else? Or are we able to keep them here? So I, that's one of the key things, you know, uh, to, to look at and say, what is the expertise in our community that we can build off of? I am, uh, in agreement with Linda Tire in regard to the investment on site nine, I think we needed to look right. at that and, and make it more marketable if it wasn't going to be a Walmart that would come in there and pay the money up front to fix the uh, foundations and, and all the work that needs to be done there. Um, it's very hard to market that piece of property saying, Hey, you know, we'd love for you to come here. It's great, but it's going to be $10 million uh, just to break ground before okay. you break ground. Um, so I understand that. And, um, and I, and I agree with, uh, that investment um, into it from the ARPA fund so um, so I think that will be a a helpful step forward once that gets uh, to a more marketable position um, as uh, it's a combination we want to enhance the quality of life while also um, taking a shot at uh, at some of those businesses that that uh, may really relocate to Pittsfield or start in Pittsfield
0: time for one more question before I uh, give the microphone over to you do you support the current plan to reconstruct we're going to bark
1: so that's a wonderful question um you know the the dollar number right now 30 million dollars um i think was sticker shock to a lot of people but um but i think if you go back uh, to the colonial theater and know that we're in the early 2000s and the colonial theater cost about 22 million dollars in in those days uh, and now this is post inflation um, 30 million isn't necessarily an astronomical number However, uh, it is really critical that we do not put this all on the city's taxpayer. So the reason why I bring up the Colonial Theater was because that was a public-private partnership. Now, my opponent has said, well, it's a public piece of property, so therefore it has to be uh, city-funded. I do not agree with that if you look at the history of Wakona Park there has been so much interest not only from the city but from private entities I mean you know I think there was a book written about it uh, it was uh, called uh, foul ball plus a part two by Jim Bouton um, do your research people uh, so there is real interest from private individuals and uh, businesses um, because Wakona Park is and has the potential that is much greater than just basic baseball. And my God, we had Bob Dylan and Willie Nelson play at Wakona Park in front of 10,000 plus people in 2005 and then bob dylan came back in 2006 uh to play in front of another six or seven thousand people so um so we should be looking at Wacona park as a venue that every august we should be having three or four of those big concerts after the suns uh have left uh, town and uh, so the answer is absolutely yes and it's absolutely because what i'm going to do as mayor is uh bring our partners to the table look at the culturally rich berkshires and the investment offering From everywhere, of people who have a desire to see a wonderful, uh, thriving Wakona Park as much more than just baseball and. All the other sports that we can um, be a venue for as well and host tournaments and and think about those things uh, that can be done. Because when you bring a Babe Ruth World Series to a community, you can measure the impact of the hotel rooms and the dinners and all of these things. And those are the business owners who are paying taxes here each and every day. So, you know, if, if, uh, you know, every single restaurant is jam packed uh, a weekend that the Babe Ruth World (laughs) Series is here, for example and you name it um, I I really want to look at Pittsfield because there are a lot of uh, there's AAU basketball teams uh, you know hockey teams and they travel everywhere right. and they go and these families they go and they spend money they they stay at hotels and other communities why are we not drawing people in in for things like big basketball tournaments and that wouldn't be wakona park that could be at the boys club mm-hmm. um, but uh you know big baseball uh even outdoor hockey uh you know those kinds of things that could be uh, imagined in this type of uh, beautiful venue so um so i am a big fan of wakona park i have played at that field um it, i've never had a more true hop at shortstop uh, than <laughs> i had at uh, wakona park it's almost um uh, it's almost awkward <laughs> when you have a true hop if you ever played baseball Ball before yeah, yeah. uh and you play and you grew up playing at Clatt park or you grew up playing at uh, deming field um it's a real special experience to play at wakona park and uh, it's near and dear to my heart and i want to see it um be just absolutely thriving for the years to come
0: all right we're almost out of time so I'd like to give you a minute or two to make your final case to vote
1: well thank you Lenny it has been great to be back here in the studio um, yeah it's it is absolutely time for a change and when I look at the city of Pittsfield there is so much potential and when I go back to my time working with Jim Roberto and in the time that I worked to get to Connick High School uh, completed in Ward 6 and the ward that I represented uh, Uh, We are still working off of the fumes of that time. So we need to re-energize the city One thing that we didn't talk about is making our building inspectors office more business friendly I think that's a critical thing that if you are a carpenter or plumber electrician or architect or engineer Pittsfield is a place that uh, you may not want to do business and often a lot of people say that they do not do business in Pittsfield because I want to Change that make that office more customer friendly and instead of putting up roadblocks We're going to get things done Done, uh, in this city public services we really have to re-examine that uh, that uh, department um, I want to have a real uh, separation between the so-called done side you know out on the roads plowing and doing well in uh, the engineering side I think it's time to split that up I'm going to bring in a great consultant from the days that we had John Barrett uh, in uh, here where everything changed and we're going to do great work in public services and also um, in the schools I have uh, three boys at Stearns Elementary School and a stepdaughter at Pittsfield High School, and it is the core of family uh, as far as our city services. So, we really need to shift dollars away from administration more to the classroom. And that has been something that I've been talking about uh, since the very beginning because Stearns Elementary, for example, has two teachers and a para in every single classroom. And that's a model we need to take to the middle schools where we have a lot of our challenges um, and the classroom experience right now is not where it needs to be um, a lot of uh, distractions uh, a lot of difficulties and we need to make sure students at every level uh, are able to thrive so we reduce that three million dollar school deficit and also uh, enhance the chapter 74 programs at Taconic High School uh, bring a plumbing program and um, I think that will be a critical step forward not only for our economy but also for revenue for the city so there is so much there um, I am excited about all the opportunities. But you can't get there unless you bring a fresh set of eyes and real change. And that's the experience I had in the mayor's office. I worked for a change maker. That's the only way I know how to be mayor. And uh, I am so excited. So I ask for your vote on Tuesday, November 7th, John Kroll, for real change uh, in this city of Pittsfield.
0: Hey, John, thanks so much for joining us today and good luck tomorrow.
1: Lenny, thank you so much. Been great.